0: Well, hey, everybody, uh, Tom Miller here from Leaders of Building Leaders, and with me uh, is my teammate and partner, Katie Reidenauer. and we've got a, a slew of leaders here with us, uh, so we're always excited when we get a chance to do this and bring some principals uh, together with our good friend Rhonda Dillingham, the Executive Director of the Association for Public Charter Schools, and so you all know why you're here, uh, so I don't really need to share anything about that. Uh, but the most important piece is put your question in the chat box that you've got for our experts and uh, let us know where you're joining us from. And we're going to do this. This is kind of going to be the what to expect. We're going to go around uh, the horn. We've got four principal leaders uh, who are going to share their um, hybrid model, what they're learning every day about uh, uh, not only the virus, but about themselves. And uh, then they're gonna answer any uh, questions that you might have. And we've got some some questions that they've uh, prepared some answers uh, for. So let me introduce our panel uh, first. And so I'll introduce you and go ahead and take a couple minutes to uh, tell us about your school. So I'll start with, with Ari Piper from Metrolina Regional Scholars Academy. Ari, how are you today? Hi, Tom. Um-
1: Yes, I'm Ari Piper from uh, Metropolitan Regional Scholars Academy. We're located in Charlotte, uh, where CMS, the gigantic CMS is not currently open. So um, we are one of the few Charlotte schools that is actually public schools that are actually operating in the hybrid model, but we um, serve highly gifted students.
0: I love it. Excellent. Thanks so much for giving us an hour of your time uh, this week. We know that's, that's a valuable hour. So we appreciate you. Uh, Ted Duncan from Brevard Academy. Ted say hi to everybody and tell us where you're a little bit more about your school
2: hello everybody i'm ted duncan i'm the school director of brevard academy we're a k-8 charter school located in transylvania county which is in the western part of the state land of waterfalls um, beautiful beautiful area we have 420 students our mission is to form a partnerships so that we create uh, students with strong moral character Um, An active intellectual inquiry, one of the defining uh, items of Brevard Academy is we use the core knowledge sequence. And then we also have a great commitment to getting outdoors and and being active. Um, We're currently operating in plan B. Excellent. Thanks. Thanks, everyone.
0: Yeah, no, we're so glad to have you, Ted. It is a beautiful area. And if you ever want to do some gem mining, they have some of the best uh, gem mines around and then, so now let's go to the beach. So we're talking about one area of the mountains. Let's go to the beach, Kelly Riley from the Tiller School. Kelly, say hello and, and, let, and let us know a little bit more about your school.
3: Hello everybody, welcome, welcome. It's so good to see you. Um, Tiller School is a K through five public charter school. Um, our mission is that we are dedicated to fostering creativity and competence and that's through a responsive uh, academic and social curriculum arts integration and family engagement. And so um, we practice and pride ourselves on being a responsive classroom school. So really spending an awful lot of time with that social development piece. That has been a lot of fun. It's been challenging, but a lot of fun in this plan B uh, model that we're following. Um, We have currently 209 students. Um, And so of those 209, I've only got right now, 32 that are virtual. So I can't wait to share a little more with you as we move through those questions. Uh
0: Excellent. That's a lot, of, a lot of students in the buildings. We can't wait to hear about that. And then let's go back out to the mountains, but a mountain with a lake. And Lake June, Alaska, one of the most prettiest areas uh, in the entire state. Uh, Josh Morgan is
4: with us from Shining Rock Classical Academy. So, Josh, hello. Uh, good afternoon, Tom, and uh, hello, everyone. Uh, yes, uh, we're in Haywood County, uh, so uh, just around the you – know, over the mountain, uh, if you will, from uh, Mr. Duncan over in Brevard Academy. Uh, we're we're housed in uh, Waynesville, uh, and Lake General Luska is our front uh, porch uh, for all intensive purposes. We are uh, we are a K-8 school, and we currently have about 410 students. Uh, we have been operating under Plan B since August 5th, uh, so so we've been doing this for a little while now. And um, uh, Haywood County, where we are, they are still full remote. Uh, they are going to wind up trying to bring some high schoolers back and middle schoolers back next week, and they shot straight to Plan A uh, for their elementary kids. Uh, so, uh, kind of interesting watching all of that dynamic play out. Uh, our board uh, met last night. We're actually going to be coming back Plan A after our fall break uh, on October twelfth. So, so we do have that going on there as well. Um, sort of like uh, you know, Ted had mentioned. You know, we are. Uh, we take advantage of the mountains and and we are an expeditionary school, Uh, you know, so we really lean into that part of our curriculum, Uh, you know, just as many of you are uh, the only ones in person. uh, We may be one of the few schools in the whole state actually doing field work and field trips. Uh, We've been doing that now for uh, about three or four weeks now. So uh, uh, thank you for having me this afternoon. Yeah, no, you're welcome.
0: Thank you for uh, you know, giving us that time, Josh. And I want to make sure that the, that the chat box isn't broken because nobody's got a question yet. So either we've got the settings on lock or something, so someone could unmute themselves and let me know whether the chat box is working. I just but
5: tried to reset it. So if someone wants to- There we go. I, it was the same There idea. we go.
0: I thought so. Now. There we go, perfect, thank you so much. So great, so we've got these four leaders and we were, we were very intentional about the leaders that, that, we, that we asked you know, to be on here. Uh, mainly because the rural schools, a lot of them offer transportation and, um, you know, smaller schools as well. So those were some of the pieces that we looked at when we asked these four particular leaders uh, to join us. And um, as they're all been in hybrid and as, you know, Josh just shared moving to plan A, which is great. And I know, you know, some of the other schools. So let's just start with the first, you know, with the first uh, question, like, how are you doing it? Right. So, so if you want to take us through what is the day in the life of one of your students or your teachers maybe looked like right now and are, are all your classes, um, you know, synchronous. Um, so go ahead and take us through some of the uh, logistics of your program as these questions start to roll. in. so who would like to start us off?
3: I'll go Tom. Um, so Kelly Riley again from Tiller in Beaufort and, um, we started with Plan B. Uh, we have two cohorts that come face-to-face, Monday, Tuesday, A cohort, Thursday, Friday, B cohort. And then again, I chaired. We've got a small number, fairly small number of um, fully remote. And um, I'm just so tickled. Our screening protocol worked beautifully. We made sure that we communicated with our families exactly what to expect. And even after um, you know, about two weeks, we began to kind of get the eye rolling and know I've already answered these questions um but we've just held strong to um the mantra that if we don't have safety we don't have anything and that is one of the things that we have really done and we have prided ourselves on knowing those safety protocol and being rooted in that so I would advise you know any of our schools first and foremost the education is really important getting into those academics but you sure better have your um your safety and your hygiene protocol ready and you know what to do Um, We are using Google Classroom for the first time fully, and we're using it K through five. And I'm telling you what, that's a lot of fun watching kindergartners navigate. Um, I have a first grader. I'm an old mom with gray hair and wrinkles, um, and I've got a freshman. (laughs) And my first grader, our teachers have done a great job. They didn't hold back, they jumped right in and they taught those students how to use that technology. We decided one platform was gonna be the best for our students. We have a full day. We have not cut anything out except for PE. And um, we pride ourselves on healthy living. And we, too, um, you know, Ted and Joshua were saying, you know, being outside, that is another piece for us. We've got, you know, campus gardens and things like that. But um, we decided that it might be a little much. But we did hold on to our arts. And so right now, our arts teachers travel to the classes. um, And that's been working really well. But again, it's that safety protocol piece. When our parents had questions about that. We ensure that you know our students are not utilizing the same materials and our teachers do a great job in their planning, lesson planning on how you know it makes sense um, to have materials prepared so that we're not cross-contaminating for lack of a better word. Um, PE though is done. We strategically plan that we do that live, we do it synchronously on Wednesdays when everybody's remote. And that has been a lot of fun um, to the ability to build community on the, you know, those fully remote days. Um, but if you were to walk into our classrooms, the only thing that seems really, truly different is the fact that, you know, we all have our masks. Um, so we're seeing those beautiful eyes. Um, but it looks and feels like very much a full day. Um, you know, with very little, you know, tri- very little fat trimmed. We tried to give them the full experience.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Kelly. It sounds like a lot of fun. And I've been that campus many times. It's so beautiful. So I can imagine it is, it is, it is very hard. Uh, we have a question
5: for, for Kelly. So April wanted to know Kelly, it says, you know, you said you're having groups on Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, but what are you doing on Wednesdays?
3: Yes, yeah, So Wednesdays we call them our wonderful Wednesdays and that, um, <laughs> that is fully remote. Um, I mentioned in my introduction that we're a responsive classroom school and so our schedule is built around the social development of our children and really creating a strong community. So all of our classrooms begin a morning meeting between 8 and 830. What we decided to do for our Wednesdays is ensure that we are hitting the mark on our all of our cohorts being together. So we do synchronous morning meetings. Our teachers strategically planned times in the morning so that we don't have crossover because we do have a lot of siblings. We want everyone to be able to attend. Um, Right after morning meetings, we have, um, we planned our physical education for K through two and three through five. They've done, anything from jungle themes to Harry Potter. I don't know how they were doing Quidditch, but they were doing Quidditch out there not too long ago. So the teachers have had a lot, awful lot of fun with that. And I should mention our PE teachers are also our art and music teachers. So you can imagine the creativity there um, with that. And then we also have synchronous opportunities for our students, our cohort C, as well as others if they want to, to join their teachers to do maybe some small math groups, reading groups lastly our brand new curriculum coordinator miss d does um a um, community-based project that she presents to all of our families it is not required um but she does a community-based pop, uh, project we um practice an awful lot of gratitude and our gratitude theme for this year is we are thankful for our community and so everything she does really highlights different pieces of our community and our students have hands-on um, Uh, activities that is presented digitally, that they can uh, participate. They do flipped grid, they take pictures, and they submit those, and we share that with the rest of the um, the school. So we've really tried to focus that day, um, you know, for that, those kinds of activities, and it's worked out really well so far.
0: Yeah, and I love that you're talking about mission-based. So as we move on to the next, you know, leader, let's, you know, make sure how are you, you know, bringing in your mission-based, your values, you know, driven, you know, curriculum into your class. So Let's go to Josh. Josh from the Shiny Rock, can you tell us a bit more about your plan B and uh, what have you learned and, you know, you know, what does the day look like and how might it be different when you move to plan A?
4: Yeah, and, uh, you know, before I get in too deep down that rabbit hole, because I, I, I do want to point out for everybody else here, uh, I actually asked, uh, I, I'll spare you his long title, but uh, for all intents and purposes, he's sort of like a lead teacher, sort of a, a teacher support role for me at the school, uh, John Schleifer, uh he's actually in here in, in this uh meeting as well. So if anybody has questions that uh you want to direct more towards like the the teacher side of things, uh John uh his primary role is as a teacher support. Um, I he's uh I, I've tried to hit that sweet spot of he's in the administrative circle, uh, but he's not a supervisor. Uh so Uh, He really is a a great support for the teacher. So if you have a question that sort of leans in that spot, uh, you know, we'll hand the mic off to John uh, and and be able to help with that because I I think he has a unique perspective in all of this as well. Uh, Our plan B and and model, uh, similar to what Kelly's mentioned, uh, is uh, we do two days uh, in person uh, and we actually split ours up Monday, Wednesday uh, as one cohort. Uh, The other cohort is Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, Fridays, uh, from the very first week, uh, kindergarten has been coming on Fridays because we wanted to get the kindergartners in three days a week, every week. Um, I learned after the first week, uh, because the goal was to have, you know, kindergarten there three full days. Uh, that was very effectively killing the teachers. Uh, and, and so we had to amend Uh, very quickly uh, because I did not we none of us have time to go hunting more staff uh, and replacing staff so we amended that to half day Fridays Um, and uh, part of that also we rolled in other grade levels uh, to go along one uh, so that we could bring uh, since half the students would be there um, you know half the the days on those Fridays we could actually bring a whole grade level together so like all of the first graders would come in once a month uh, all of the second graders and so on Um, it also really laid out an opportunity for us to put some formats out there and try a few things, uh, getting ready to roll out the plan A. Uh, you know, how can we properly implement the the toolkit uh, that the state's given us uh, to do this safely? So, uh, you know, it, it's a grand experiment, and, and you know, sometimes, uh, you know, being a si- being a former middle school math and science person. Uh, sometimes you have to control your variables and, and, and let a few of them uh, loose and see what works and see what doesn't. And um, the the first thing I would encourage for all of you is you make sure that you have some planning time uh, built in there somewhere for your staff as you do this plan B. It is exceptionally labor intensive and, and I'm sure Ariel hit on this, that remote piece is exceptionally labor intensive. And, and, and I think we underestimated that. Uh, at, at my place. Um, i, I want to slide back up into the chat there. Ben had asked a question early on there just about some of the challenges uh, that were there uh, that we, we've had to sort of manage through. And I, I think uh, I'm not going to go into the toolkit, the safety components of things, because that's pretty much out there for everyone. Um, curriculum planning uh, has probably been uh, one of those things that has really... Um, been a barrier for us to have to overcome. It, it took us probably uh, probably the week after Labor Day, honestly, to, to come to some degree of terms. Uh, and now when I say that, you know, keep in mind that has us in school for a month of what does the pacing look like for this thing? Um, you know, the teachers, I think, were really, um, I, I made a, as a point of emphasis a couple years back uh, to build their annual plans and to make good, solid annual plans. And they were still trying to use the annual plans from last year. And, and we had to come to terms that that's not a realistic uh, measure anymore, simply because uh, you're seeing kids half the time and, and you can't go as fast with the virtual piece. Uh, so the the workaround for some of that is, you know, we, we've circled back to those plans. We've tried to uh, really uh, hit those core standards, hit the essential pieces that we know are going to be uh, Assessed, and that they need to have as building blocks moving forward. Uh, so we've really tried to trim out some of the things that uh, were non-essential. Uh, but then, in terms of keeping things synchronized so that we're not driving ourselves mad, um, I, I don't look at them daily in terms of are all three of your cohorts, because that's basically what we were doing. Is you have you know two daily groups and a virtual group? Is everybody at the same spot on Tuesday? I could care less. Are they at basically the same spot by the weekend? You know, because you're going to have some ebbing and flowing. Are they basically in the same spot? Um, and and that has helped dramatically. Um, you know, one to give the teachers the flexibility and the permission to be creative, but then also, um, you know, because some groups go faster than others. You know, you know, and this is true whether you have 20 in a room or you have 10. Uh, as you go along there with that, so. Um, I, I hope that answers uh, your question, in terms of what are some of the, the challenges there, but it is it is tricky, uh, to say the least there.
0: Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much, Josh, and I love that. I think we'll get to some more deeper questions. So, uh, Ted, why don't you take add us a, you know, a little bit more about what your school is doing, then we'll finish up with Ari, and then sure. we'll, get, uh, we'll get diving in, so go ahead, Ted.
2: So we are in, using the same um, model that Kelly's using, where we have students in on Monday and Tuesday, and then we have students come in on Thursday, Friday. And being a K-8 school, we were able to do a couple different things with it. And I saw one question that, wanna address two questions that were in the chat box. One was, how, how have you dealt with cleaning? And then the other question was, how have you built in planning time? Uh, because I wanna piggyback what Josh was saying and what Ari was nodding along to. The, the idea of having three different cohorts going has been really difficult for the staff, um, where you know you have your Monday Monday Tuesday group going, then you have your Thursday Friday group going, and then you've got your fully your fully virtual students going, and so that's been that's been really difficult. And um, to hit one of the other questions is uh, it was asked, well, who's teaching the kids on Monday and Tuesday when um, when when the teachers are in front of the classrooms? And so what we've been doing is we've been focusing on um, math, and, math and reading in, in school uh, because those were the two subjects that we really didn't want the parents um, uh, teaching their children. And we felt like that needed the most, uh, we started with that question of what's most essential and what could we not let go of. And so we are doing math and reading in school and trying to move through about three to four days of curriculum while the students are in the school and then when they're out we're focusing on our science and math our science and social studies curriculum Um, and the teachers are creating videos and they're creating um, online lessons that feature them but they but none of them are live Uh, for our school we noticed that it was very difficult for parents where we live in a very depressed county and so parents who had to keep their kids home they were struggling to get on to Um, synchronous learning at various times. And so we quickly found that that would not be a good way to do it. It would probably cut out, it wouldn't be equitable. Um, It would probably cut out most of your hourly workers right away. And so uh, we decided that we were going to just offer asynchronous learning in that way. So what we did was uh, on Wednesdays, the school is completely virtual. We do bring in some, uh, we do uh, have some of our EC students come in and then we've begun to au- offer middle school clubs. We have a forensics club going with our SRO, we have a math club going. We have um what what is it? we have a Dungeons and Dragons club going. We started up athletic workouts um 2 weeks ago. So that's been all those things have been really good. Um and and then that's a day where we do a lot of cleaning. I have not required my staff on Wednesdays to actually be in the building. I'm in the building every day, but um, If you can work remotely on wednesday please work remotely because we will we'll use that day to clean and so what we've done is we've increased our custodial staff as well we have two custodians um, who are in the building every day and then we use an outside cleaning service at night and we wanted to do the monday tuesday so that we could have that cleaning day on wednesday and then uh, the thursday fridays then we have a cleaning day over the weekend because we didn't we wanted to make sure that we were controlling those pods that was that was something that was very um, that was very big for us. And so, in building in the planning time, Wednesday became uh, a big day for planning. There's a lot of planning and a lot of preparation that gets done on Wednesdays. Um, I also moved our staff meetings, which we actually will be going back to a monthly staff meeting starting in October. But um, since since August, we have had um, a weekly staff meeting that goes from roughly about 2:30 to about 3:15, and so we tried to try to build in staff meeting times into time during the day um, and since we don't have kids in the building on wednesday that allows us to be able to do that and then teachers have that opportunity to do things outside of um, outside of uh, planning on their own time um, and and then The other question uh, the other thing that we've been able to do is our sixth seventh and eighth grade teachers they have been uh, we normally have just two grade levels two classrooms at each grade level and for the past four years they've wanted to do um, uh, ability grouping and i have always said no we're not doing ability grouping when you only have two classrooms because that's not ability grouping that's convenience grouping and so with the fact that we have, that we're distanced and we're only having kids come in two times, we now have three different cohorts of seventh graders, three different cohorts of uh, eighth graders, three different cohorts of sixth graders. So actually the way that it looks um, for sixth grade teachers, they have um, two groups come in on Monday, Tuesday. And so they are working with kids. Those teachers are working with kids all day long. And then on Thursday, Friday, they only have one cohort come in because they're specialized. One teacher teaches math and um, science and the other teaches um, language arts and social studies. This is where it gets different than K-5, but uh, they've been able to have those three different groups. And so that allows one of them to have an entire morning, about three hours of planning um, on Mon on Thursday and then in the afternoon on Friday. That has also allowed them to have uh Our seventh and eighth graders have done, our seventh and eighth grade teachers have done something similar, which then allows them to have virtual support times for the students who are staying at home, which is which is really extremely important for those middle school students because they're probably being left at home a little bit more. So um, uh, all of our specials happen on Wednesday. Music happens on Wednesday, art happens on Wednesday. Um, We have PE happening every day at the school. Uh, We also have virtual PE going on we instead of funding a spanish teacher position we moved to rosetta stone for spanish that has been very helpful um, because that's much more self-directed and self-guided and it's tough to teach spanish to your to your uh, five-year-old if you don't know how to teach spanish we learned that over (laughs) the spring so That's that's something that we did differently
0: great thanks ted great great overview and let's go to ari and talk a little bit different uh K 8 school that she has right outside Charlotte. So, you know, Ari, what would you like to share uh, with this group? And then we'll start diving into the questions, Katie.
1: I think we have a lot of things that we're doing that are very similar to what the other schools are doing. Um, we wanted our younger kids in school more than our middle schools. So, um, our numbers turned out differently than a lot of other schools. We only have 30% of our families that chose in person. And so, having 70% at home we needed to make sure that we weren't um, doing too much in-person at the detriment of the bulk of our students. So our middle school um, students fifth through eighth is what we consider five through eight. They only come on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, And then we added one additional day for our K-4. So they come on Mondays as well, which means that on Wednesdays and Fridays, everyone is full virtual. Uh, I've made both Wednesday and Friday optional um, in-person for staff uh, that has made a really big impact on our st- staff's mental health, giving them that ability to not be here every day and to not be in a mask every single day. Um, you know, we're here every day, but a lot of our staff are choosing to work from home on those two days. On Wednesdays, we are similar to what Kelly said, um, we call them uh, wellness Wednesdays, uh, but our focus on our wellness Wednesdays, school-wide is social-emotional uh, learning as well as collaboration be among students. So every single class starts with their social emotional learning lessons first thing in the morning. And then it's followed up by different activities based on the grade level where the kids have opportunities to connect. Because one of the things that um, we're really trying to focus on is making sure that these kids who are coming in hybrid and the kids who are virtual somehow have ways to connect with each other. And that doesn't always happen In a lesson when the teacher is trying to, you know, get that information out. So it's not instructional. It's more based on the kids building um, connections and doing activities together. That's also another time for our staff to do those virtual check ins with their With their students and then Wednesday afternoon is completely really based for um, the kids to do catch up connections with teachers and also we asked all of our extracurriculars to schedule during Wednesday afternoons so that the kids can still participate virtually with all the clubs and activities that they were doing that we're not allowing on campus. So Wednesdays are really just a, almost kind of non-instructional, but it is still you know part of our curriculum. So we wanna make sure that that's happening. And then on Fridays, they do have their regular classes, but we are going to be adjusting to make Fridays all asynchronous coming soon as a result of our staff just feeling like just too much Zoom, too much screen time, And so, you know, that's one of the tweaks that we have already um, are looking to make based on our parent feedback um, and our student, you know, our our staff feedback about just um, the overwhelming amount of time that it takes, like, you know, Ted's mentioned as well, for our staff to plan, but also to be on stage. Um, You know, one of the things I, the staff, you know, is it's hard, you know, there's parents watching every single move every single word that's coming out of their mouth is being critiqued and evaluated. And that just that puts them on edge and makes them just hyper stressed. And so um, you know, making Fridays uh, asynchronous opening, that takes a little bit of that pressure um, off of the staff for that piece. PE is one thing, other thing I wanted to mention. We um, were worried about our kids being able to have recess and, without it being kind of structured. So the way that we're doing P.E. is to basically use the recess time to be P.E. based classes. So all of our recess and P.E. is outside um, with our teachers out there helping the P.E. teacher run structured activities. And then when it gets to be the playtime, the kids are given lists of things that they're allowed to do and what they're what they're not allowed to do. And we are also eating outside 100 percent. Uh, we, uh, we felt that even in a reduced capacity in our cafeteria, we weren't comfortable. And so all of our three, eight students are bringing, have brought in camp chairs and they have spots where they go out into the parking lots and it's all marked off and they sit outside. And our little ones, we bought yoga mats and tarps and the K2s sit out on the playground and eat their lunch outside, which is working wonderfully. It's going to get cold, so we may have to revisit this eventually. But it has has really worked well and has taken that pressure of worrying about kids taking off masks, and it's made it very objective. Of masks are on 100% all the time when you're inside the building. So, um, I think that was all that I.
0: That was awesome. Can <laughs> you can you hit on? On to cleaning, like, so what does cleaning look like every day in your class? So I think this is a question that's coming up often, like, so how often does it occur? What are some of the transitions? What are you cleaning? And how are you, how are the teachers feeling maybe better and or worse about, you know, uh, contact? Contact seems to be the key, so. What we,
1: what we found is that the kids are amazing. You teach them a new routine, and it, I mean, it took no time for the kids to understand, these are the expectations, and this is what we're gonna do. So, I, the first couple of weeks, chaotic. Now, you know, week six, I guess, we're, we're you know, we're, we've got the routines down. We have hand sanitizer. Students know that if you walk into a room, you sanitize your hands. You, you know, you walk into a restroom, you eat something, you hand sanitize, and just, you know, hounding those procedures into the kids. Um, with regards to cleaning, the Class, the, you know, the desks are always cleaned if there is a transition of students. And we have very few groups of students occupying classrooms. There's no more than two groups of kids that use any given classroom throughout the day. So we tried to eliminate those transitions to make it so that we don't have to do that constantly. But we also have a schedule of all the touch points that our custodians are walking around the building all day long um, you know, they come by my office and clean my door handle at least twice per day. They're wiping down all the common surfaces. We have signs all over the, you know, the all over the building that remind staff about, you know, you must hand sanitize before you use the coffee machine. You must hand sanitize before you sign in in the morning. So, um, I, I think it was just, you know, establishing those procedures and routines. Uh, it, it hasn't been as hard. That hasn't been the hard part. That's actually, it's that that's actually the easy part. <laughs> The hard part is the instruction (laughs) and and, and the equity. I I mean, I think for us, our biggest challenge is having 70% at home and trying to find ways to make sure that those 70% get what they need when our teachers don't have the same level of contact with those kids, no matter how much we try. You can't control their environment and you don't know what kind of support they're getting and you don't know how much, you know, they're actually paying attention. So um I think the instructions definitely the harder, the harder piece.
0: Yeah, and I want to, you know, make sure the rest of the panel has a chance. At least you know, we'll definitely hit the instruction, but the cleaning piece, but Eric, you had shared something before we hit the record button about uh cleaning wipes and and having sanitizer out and a visit from the health department. So just to let everybody know you might, this might happen to you too, but oh well, right? <laughs> but.
1: I mean, we still got a 97 on our health inspection, but the, the note on our health inspection was there is hand sanitizer and wipes um, available in classrooms and that's not okay. But I'm going to go with the, you know, yep. that it is okay and we're gonna and just we not pay it. attention to that comment for right
0: now. <laughs> that's right. Excellent. I know Josh wants to hit on the cleaning. Thanks, Harry, for that great overview. Uh, Josh, you want to talk a little bit about the cleaning and then uh, Kelly and Ted, if you have anything to add after Josh.
4: Yeah, it's a good thing that we don't have the same health inspector because they would frown at our tubs of, of uh, wipes. You know, we just started buying them by the tubs, uh, you know, so, uh, which is pretty magical. Uh, you know, a couple of things that sort of came up through there in terms of uh, staffing and uh, the cleaning protocols. One, one of the things that's really a part of our um cleaning and safety and, and hygiene protocols that uh, we've not really touched on. Uh, we actually uh, created funds and we allocated funds for a school nurse. Um, you know, and it was very early for us uh, you know, going through the toolkit uh, and all those guidelines of things. You know, we're all educators. I think all of us in this uh, particular, all of us in the panel are, and I think everyone on the call, we are educators by trade. Uh, I am not uh, trained in the medical field. Uh, so I needed to find someone who was, and, and that has been a um, that has been a godsend for us. Uh, because I know some of you are asking, well, what do you do when you have COVID cases? What do you do with with different teachers? Uh, the first piece of it is my school nurse manages those pieces. And and, and unless you had to get deep into this yet, because um, I did not know this until I had a school nurse. There are multiple timelines for reentry back to school depending on uh, what the exposure source was and whether they have a positive COVID or a negative COVID. There, there's about three or four different pathways. Uh, so you could have a teacher or a staff uh, who could be back as soon as the next day, or it could be 14 days. So uh, I don't have to manage those timelines. My nurse does that. Um, you know, I manage the decisions that she makes from interpreting those facts. Um, so what do you do whenever you have a staff member who does come down with that? And and for our procedures and, and protocols coming in, uh, and and again I think for all of you, it, it's about creating some of those soft borders uh, because you know, you you know all of the safety procedures that we're we're talking about here, extra staffing, uh, you know we've got you know someone that goes around and misses everything at the end of the day, uh, you know you know so. Uh, those things don't matter if you don't have proper safeguards getting people into the building. Uh, so my nurse, she screens every single one of us, myself included, every single morning. You know, with a uh, you know thermometer check, all those magical questions, and we screen people out every day. Uh, you know, we screened, um, you know, she earned her keep, but you know, it was what it was. She screened two teachers out on one morning about the second week of school, because teachers are teachers. they're going to come to work sick, um, and they came to work not right, and she screened them out. Um, now that was at seven fifteen and kids are going to the classroom at seven thirty. so uh, a little bit of a management problem, but we had actually built some contingencies for that because um, someone is asking what's this due to your 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 finances, well, you have to overstaff a little bit. Uh, you know that that's where that's the reality of it. you have to overstaff. Um, we overstaff in the, the teacher assistant realm, uh, and, and, I've been very fortunate that I've had some excellent uh, teacher assistants that I've been able to bring in and some of them are even certified teachers and they're going to be my next layer of teachers as I go in and what they do, they know there are certain teachers. They know that there's a hierarchy of things of, uh, okay. If I lose a K2 teacher today, you're the next one up. Uh, if I lose a three at five teacher, you're the next one up. If I lose two of them, well, you're the next one up. Uh, and uh, I actually hired an extra person in my office. I hired one of our better subs who is fantastic with people. She's helping the overflow of the office, uh, but she also knows that since a teacher leaves, she's the first one up. And, and, and so, so we have to be able to be creative with those things. Those teacher assistants, uh, if I don't have someone who gets sick, They actually help cover classrooms, um, either to go and provide some of the digital supports for our kids every day, or they actually cover the physical classroom so that those teachers can drop into those ZIM sessions and do that as well. So, um, you know, it's about being creative with your staffs. It's also about giving them permission uh, to go home and be sick. You know, that's you may notice this doesn't look like a a professional office, because it's not. Uh, It's my basement office because, I'm having to follow my own advice uh, on that. Uh, you know, I, this has been one of those crazy weeks where, uh, you know, between town meetings, board meetings, and everything else, uh, because uh, on top of all of this, you know, the best time, I, I asked John, because John, and, and he mentioned that he's over 65, and, and, and it's true, uh, he is. You know, John shared with me, you know, having gone through the last pandemic, that this is the, pandemics are the best time to build school buildings. And so that's what we're doing too, amongst everything else. Um, you know, he talked about it when he was, uh, you know, when he started his teaching career, they, they built a new school, uh, you know, during the, the Spanish flu. And so we, we did it, you know, and, and so I was like, that sounds like a good idea, John, let's build a school now uh, in this one. Uh, and so um, we're doing all that stuff too. So you have to take care of yourself and you have to encourage your staff to take care of themselves as well.
0: Yeah, Josh, thanks for being such a great role model with that. I I think that is the most important, right? I mean, what I'm hearing across the state and, you know, across the country is that, you know, teachers are just working themselves, you know, to death. And, and I had, you know, a really good friend of mine is a kindergarten teacher. And um, she, you know, told me a story about how, you know, her daughter had a swim meet. And, um, and her daughter got in the car after said, Mommy, how'd you like my dive? And she said, She had to lie to her and say that oh it was great honey but really she missed it because she was in her google classroom giving feedback to her kindergarten kids at five o'clock on a friday and i said you can't do that like that's your you know you're not going to get that chance again but we have to be really good about leading the way and letting our you know making sure it's okay for our teachers to understand like you can't do this 12 14 hour day for you are going to burn out and we need you for the long haul because this is not going away so I appreciate you, you know, uh, sharing that, being transparent. Um, Ted, you want to, or anybody else want to hit on the uh, cleaning? Because I know Katie's got like a thousand questions probably, and I'm, I'm just, you know, getting in her way. So what, Ted, do you have anything else to add on top, or Kelly on top of that, what um, uh, they just shared? Or can we get to Katie?
2: Is that, you know, just before, if you are making that transition, the majority of questions are going to be about how are we going to keep things clean? How are we going to disinfect so as soon as you start bringing kids in that's those are going to be the questions so sit down with your custodial staff um, we did what josh did we hired a we hired a school nurse this year i cannot tell you how um uh, how great that has been and like josh said you trying to balance all the timelines that you have um it's just it's too much um what and what we're saying we're in the mountains and so it's getting cold here and so parents have their heat on in the car and the kids are all bundled up. And so as we're screening them in the car line, we're finding out, well, your temperature is high. You need to go over there and have your temperature taken again after you stand outside the car and get out of the hundred you know, degree car to actually find out if you're truly sick. Um, and the more that you can do to take off the stress off of your teachers and staff in terms of health and safety and wellness the better off you're going to be because like Ari said, like um, Josh has said, like Kelly said, it's hard. And we have, we have made that, I've made that abundantly clear from the very beginning. The spring was kind of easy because everybody was given a ton of grace. The fall is not going to be easy. It is going to be hard. And this is where we're really going to earn it. So let's all just realize it's going to be hard and realize we're going to make mistakes and that's okay. But, um, you got to get the, you got to get the, uh, you got to get the health and safety part down as, as best as possible. We, like Josh said, we, uh, you know, overstaffing, we went, we went overboard on the safety protocols. We got desk shields and at all the tables and we've got dots all over the floor. And, you know, even though we only have 150 kids in the building and normally we have about 420, um, we've got our hallways divided for, you know, you go this way, um, you got one arrow going one way, one arrow going the other way. And all those things really do help to make fee- people feel better. Um, and uh, so you, get, you just got to model it like Josh is doing today and model a mask wearing like we've talked about, Tom, and in, in some of our groups. You just, that's the agreement and that's the agreement, period. We're not making any exceptions to it.
0: Yeah, that's right. Excellent. And uh, Dr. Tracy, who's 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 in here and he's also a member of our inner circle and and you know, most of these principals on his panel are, and that's a group that meets every Monday and we get to talk through these things because you don't have a lot of people, you don't have a lot of people to vent to. You can't complain down. Your board doesn't certainly understand because most of them are, you know, business people and they just don't understand running a school and all the you know different dynamics. But you gotta remind yourself you gotta take a break too, school leaders, because you you too can easily, easily burn out. And uh, by, you know, letting yourself, you know, unplug, get out of the Zoom rooms and, and eliminate that, you know, drain is, is uh, critical. So thanks for that reminder, Mark. Uh, Katie, I know you got a couple. So go ahead. What are, what are some questions that you want to, you know, fire? Start with Kelly Riley because I know she's, she's ready to go. I can see her about to jump through the virtual screen. So.
5: Kelly's always ready. Uh, so you know, so a question was asked: What are you doing with teachers who are a risk category? And I know John shared that because of the mitigating steps that they're putting in place at Shining Rock, that as someone in a high risk category, he feels comfortable. But are any? You know, do you all have anything else to add to that? And and do you have teachers who are refusing to come to campus?
3: And if so, what are you doing? Um. I wanted to share, I don't, we don't have a nurse at, at Tiller. And, um, I spent a lot of time with some bedside reading that wasn't, you know, necessarily my choice. Um, but I, you know, if anyone would like to talk about what we've done and I don't want to take more time on the safety piece, but if anybody wanted to contact me, you can certainly share my, my information, Katie, because I, we have a good plan and we, we purposefully, you know, plan for the fact that we didn't have a nurse and so far so good Um, that could change at any time uh, but so far so good luckily at tiller school we don't have any teachers that were not ready to come back or felt that they could not because of medical um, reasons of course again that could be something that could change um, because we're all still going to doctor's appointments and finding out all kinds of new things about ourselves but um, you know just uh, most definitely always keeping a huge focus on checking in with our faculty on their emotional health and that kind of thing is, is huge. Um, and so, but I I can't speak right now to that particular question.
5: Anybody else having issues with staff with health concerns who, who don't really want to come on campus?
2: We, we had that at the beginning, we had quite a few staff members who were really concerned about things. And so, um, you know, in, in the, in the guidance from the state, it talks about what's required and what's recommended. We have implemented every, well, we all have implemented every requirement, but we have also implemented every recommendation that was applicable to our situation. Um, And I was just responding to someone about um, uh, desk shields. You know, we have a desk shield at every teacher's desk. So if they feel uncomfortable with the student being close to them, they can put up the dust shield. We gave everybody two face shields. We've, like I said, we made all the, we made all the, um, all the hallways, uh, either one way or, uh, or, or made it so that you knew how you were going. We've, um, we have also, uh, we hired an extra counselor, um, this year, uh, to help to deal with the social emotional needs of students and also with staff. Um, and, Um, every day, uh, we have a, one of the things that we've done, um, historically at Brevard Academy is we have a morning meeting with the entire staff, um, for about three to three to five minutes every morning before school starts, before we open the curtain and start. And one of the things that I've used a lot is I've used a lot of the, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the daily, um, quotes from leaders, building leaders, or a lot of stuff from John Maxwell's minute with Maxwell, um, and I've really focused in a lot on, you've got to let things go. You've got to, you've got to be focusing to staff members, telling them you've got to focus on what you can control. And then you've got to trust that other people are focusing on what they control. And we have, we have to do that. Um, and then I've had individual conversations with staff members about if they didn't feel comfortable, you know, what are some things that we can Um To make them feel comfortable, we have two class. We have three classrooms that don't have any windows in them, so we bought fans so the air could be moved around. We designated outdoor spaces to where those were those were priority spaces for those classrooms. Like Josh, we're in the middle of building a hundred fifty thousand dollar outside picnic pavilion right now, and we'll get the CEO on Monday. Can't wait. So so our we're going to move all the uh, all of our. All of our eating out there as well. So, um, you know, it's just having those conversations. Um, but at the bottom line, it's also we're here to serve kids and families. And this is, you know, we started having those hard conversations last spring where we're going to need to do some things differently. It's going to feel a little bit different, but um, we've got a we've got a we're school we're a school of choice, and you know, parents are choosing to come to us because of what we're being able to offer. We can't. We can't change everything for every student, every family or every staff member. So we have to we have to be able to have those tough conversations and and then be able to say, well, you have this extra leave through the CARES Act and you can take that if you'd like. Um, But this is the mission that we got that that we're working towards. Um, But luckily, I have not I've only had to have that conversation once Um, and uh, the teacher is still here. So that's a good thing.
4: And, Thank and, you, Ted. Yeah, and if I can sort of chime in in the opposite direction of what Ted is, and, and because you know where we are in, in the state, um, you know, politically speaking, you know, I, the, the county we're in, we we shift pretty hard, 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 right? Uh, you know, and and so I, I probably have some folks who maybe actually shift in the other direction of you know they they don't want to wear a mask. You know, you know, we and, and unfortunately, you know, masks have, have turned into this political. Uh, mantra of things. And and basically, you know, I've, I've sort of had to have that other conversation, which is, you know, you, you don't have to like it, but you need to do it. And and, and so, uh, and, and that's, that has happened, you know, staff, a couple staff members, as well as, uh, you know, just people at large. And, and so, um, you know, it, it's about being, um, it's about being professional. It's about being uh, responsible to your community and, and otherwise, and I, and I think what Ted's talking about, just sort of chiming on that from that other lens, is, is if you chart a path, which is what we're, we're charged to do with, as school leaders, if we chart a path that is the good for all, then we all have to conform a little bit. You know, I, I can tell you, John's worked with me for many years, uh, and that's why I can give him a little bit of a hard time, is that, uh, you know, the thought of me taking a day and working not at school uh, is you know blasphemous uh for me you know but it, it's it's the good for all i can't i cannot be selfish and risk my staff uh and, and my students and, and uh and likewise in in those same mantras of things there with that it, as we go along there with it so uh, just wanted to throw that in
5: thank you josh what about you ari anything to add
1: luckily i have not had too many staff who you know, come and said they, they don't want to be here. I mean, I have had some conversations and, you know, like Ted said, you know, just really sitting down with those staff members and explaining all the things that we're doing to keep them safe. And and, and also, you know, giving them the perspective of you know, there's doctors and nurses out there who are coming in contact with COVID positive patients every single day. And when they follow their health and safety protocols, they are keeping themselves safe. So. You know if we do these things right and we are diligent and that's what i keep promising them like i promise you every time i see something that's not following our procedures i'm going to address it i'm not going to let anything slide we're going to stay on it i think those conversations have helped you know people who were unsure uh, to feel sure and and also we're in week six and we've had zero cases um so Mm -hmm. that piece also (laughs) helps that we, we you know we know at this point that that it is working um my bigger issue has been teachers with different childcare issues. i um, mm-hmm. just trying to manage the teachers who you know have joint custody and they have to be home with their kids every other week or their kids are only going to school on Wednesday and so they can't come to school on Tuesday and trying to uh, you know staff around all of those to make sure that I don't have to say, hey, we're not gonna have you teach at all and go take leave, I wanna keep you, but well, let's figure out how to make it work and how to get you zooming in from home on days when you need to and putting somebody in the classroom, which is where you know the overstaffing piece and getting TAs in there for supervision has been beneficial. And so I only have one staff member who needed to like actually step away because of childcare, all the rest of them we figured out ways to work around it.
0: Yeah, I love that I mean, being being uh, being a flexible is what we're great at as you know, charter mm-hmm. schools, right? This is why we were born. We've been talking about this since March. So we're going to come back to the principles in a second. I want to make sure because you bring up some great points and, and to be able to be flexible, you have to be flexible with your funding and, and, and how you have your teachers. So I want to bring in Rhonda Dillingham, you know, for, you know, just for a message about like what what is the association doing and maybe what can they do uh, to really help us at charter schools make sure that, that we are in the conversation. When it comes, uh, you know, to all these, you know, uh, rules and policies that we're seeing being thrown around like hold harmless and, and things like that. So, Rhonda, I'm going to give you the floor here for a couple of minutes just to just to share what are what are what is your organization doing and how can the charter school leaders that are on this call uh, help you and or, or, you know, communicate and advocate.
6: Thanks, Tom. Well, I would say hi to everyone. And you know, the strength of the association is in our three pronged approach to advancing the charter school movement in North Carolina. And that is in programming support, educating the public as well as legislative advocacy. So as far as the hold harmless clause goes in uh, the House Bill 1105 that was recently passed, that is currently in negotiations with the Office of Charter Schools DPI and the State Board of Education, and the association is part of that conversation. Then I would also like to point out, you know, as far as the um, keeping everybody informed about the election, we've had two candidate forums for the Superintendent of Public Instruction uh, candidate seat. Uh, last week we had one with Dr. Jen Mangrum. Last night we had one with the Republican candidate Catherine Truett. And then if you're not sure who to vote for and you're interested in the issues that are related to charter schools, we have our candidate questionnaires posted on the association's website. So you can go there and check out the, what the candidate said in response to, I think it was about 10 questions related to issues about charter schools. Now, you'll also see that some candidates didn't respond at all. And I say no response is a response. So just keep that in mind when you're taking a look at those. Um, As far as the educating the public, the EdChoice just came out with their survey results. Um, This is surprising to me. About a year and a half ago, I discovered that there really had never been a statewide survey of parent satisfaction, the parent satisfaction survey among charter school parents. Uh, So EdChoice took up that task and they surveyed charter school parents, but they also did uh, district parents, homeschool parents, and of course it wasn't a surprise to me that the level of satisfaction for charter school parents was much higher. And I had an op-ed about that last week. So educating the public about the positives and myth busting, you know, I do that all the time. As far as programming support goes, um, I'm just so excited about all these things we have coming up. Um, On October 8th, we have the nuts and bolts of Title IX, and that will begin, that'll be the first in a series of trainings related to Title IX, and you'll be reminded that there were changes to that law made this summer, and Ignorance of the law is no excuse and not understanding Title IX and what that looks like for charter schools, that could get you in a lot of trouble. So we have this series of trainings available. Uh, The one on October 8th is free. And then the ones that follow that are for a fee. But I would say that for association members, there is a discount. Then on October 13th, we've talked a lot about social emotional learning. We have a webinar with my friend from Peaceful Schools on supporting the social emotional learning needs of students during COVID. So what are, how is that different? And I'm sure you all are familiar with it, but she's an expert and she's going to talk to us about that. And then on October 15th, we're gonna have a webinar with School Improvement Partnership on what what are the changes to the market and what does that mean for bond financing? so you know Josh you're talking about building a new school Uh, others are interested in that too so we have a webinar then on October 15th and then the other thing I'll say is I dropped this in the chat a minute ago recently the association developed our school health and safety index and it's really just uh, a compilation of the um, vendors who provide products and services related to health and safety, those kinds of things that you're interested in uh, potentially purchasing. I put that in the chat. You should have gotten it in the email recently as well. Um, but I'm available to you if you have any questions. Contact me anytime. I'm here for you.
0: Thanks, Rhonda, for that work. And uh, yeah, keep on making sure you stay, you know, you know, keep your ears put because there's always just lots of information out there. And, you know, folks just kind of throw out words and you have to do this and you have to do that. Ask other charter school principals, ask the association before you start, you know, going down a rabbit hole by yourself. So, Katie, I know we want to make sure we tackle the instructional question and like equity question. I do want to say real quick, I love Josh Morgan's idea. Our team was just talking about this because I'm currently the you know, you know, the interim head of a school about what's our COVID room. And Joe, you know, uh, Josh said that they used their activity bus um, as a place because our, you know, safety um, instructor talked about, you know, as close to the exit as possible, if you have, you know, somebody or even something outside that you can build. So I love the idea of using the activity bus uh, to be able to hold uh, students as uh, possible. So uh, go ahead, Katie.
5: So uh, there was a question in there like, how are you meeting the needs of all your students instructionally, especially those under-resourced students who, you know, maybe you've gotten them the Chromebook, you've gotten them the hotspot, but how do you make sure they're getting the support that they need at home and that the, you know, the teacher's aware of, you know, how to best meet each student's needs?
3: I'll jump in real quick, um, Katie, we're actually, um I am still waiting on a huge order of Chromebooks. (laughs) Um, We have been able to give every child that needs one, one, thank goodness. Um, I found that um, not only for our teachers to be well organized and not pull their hair out with so much communication, we established some office hours. We have office hours for parents, but we also have some special time and office hours that we've established with some of our students that really need that. Um, and it was just a frank conversation on, with the families. Um, I won't tell you that it's been incredibly easy because it hasn't. I've got um, two students that um, even though I talk to families daily, I've made home visits, porch conferences. Um, you know, I still can't get them to, um, to participate at the level that they should. Um, so it's a constant struggle. But we've ensured that every single one of our children has a personal contact here at the school, whether it's their classroom teacher, their assistant or an administrator. And we also broke down that list, those ones that we feel are at risk and they really need, they have those high needs. There's multiple of us that are checking in. We have to be careful because we don't want to bombard them. So we're actually coordinating with each other on the perspective and the kind of the tactic that we take with those students. So it almost feels like we were talking about war rooms this summer, you know, setting up and all of our plans. We've got plans just for those kids, but your paper hanging on the walls, here's our tier of communication,
5: but it's yeah, You don't want them to fall through the cracks. So you do need that war room to make sure they don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. Thank you, Kelly. Who else? What else are you all doing to make sure you're, you're taking care of these kiddos?
4: Well, and Katie, I think, uh, you know, Kelly really hit on a, a real important thing there real quick, which is you got to get to the kids first. So the attendance component of it really uh, it, It's really a critical thing. And, and, and one of the things that we put into place uh, going back to June, uh, you know, started in June, it went into place in July for us was a, a remote attendance policy um, and that remote attendance policy for us uh, Full of grace but it's also one of those things you know something's that full of grace uh if you can't get your child to school in in that kind of a setting uh yeah you know we're we're sending truancy letters uh you know and and you know we're to the point where we're getting close to sending uh you know one or two to the judicial system because of truancy imagine how hard that is to pull off in a remote setting all you have to do is log in but you know when you have a, a policy that's built that way, that that's something there. So, uh, the first piece, and, and Kelly mentioned it, you got to get the kids connected first, um, there with that. And then we have TA shepherds uh, for uh, groups of, of grades, uh, and they connect with those kids that are being a little more cumbersome to get along with there. But that that's the big thing there. Ted, I yeah, think you. know No, would I'm
5: to... I'm glad you brought up truancy because. I, I think people are just hesitant to to send those truancy letters because we are in such odd times, but I we have to have some sort of boundaries. We can't just be free falling. You know, so I, I think that's a really, you, you set the policy and you follow the policy. You know, you all had the, you know, you, you all were allowed to develop that policy. And so I think you're right, Josh, you have to follow it. Ted, you were going to jump in with something?
2: I was just going to say that, you know, this is one of the, this is probably one of the struggles. Um, is those students whose parents have decided to keep them out, and they're not doing as much work as they should be doing. They're not checking in as much as they should be doing. Um, we've done some home visits. We have a home visit plan for tomorrow. We've never laid eyes on this child. He's new to us this year, and we've, I mean, we just have gotten nothing, and so, you know, strongly worded letters, um, but I think that the messaging just has to be clear from the beginning that we are expecting um we're expecting students to show up we're expecting students to produce work and we're going to be calling and checking in and doing what um doing what you have to do uh when um when they're when they're not um so it's it's been this has been something that's been hard for us um and uh we're just working through the process with our school resource officer our two counselors and just Trying to figure out how to best support kids who aren't who aren't showing up. It's but it's hard, and um, there's no perfect plan for it. I wish there was.
5: Right, we're in uncharted waters. That's for sure. Um, Ari, what about you? Any anything to share on this topic?
1: I, I think they all shared, you know, kind of the extreme situations. But then there's this other level of the you know the engagement piece. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got those ones that we got to get to that don't you know don't engage at all. But there's also this part of the kids who are you know, they do the bare minimum and getting those kids to engage and that's where, you know, finding opportunities in the way that you're doing it so that the kids feel connected to other children. I think that's really, really important. Um, If you're going to do synchronous learning, you know, putting that, putting that up there on the smart board where the kids who are at home can see the faces of their classmates of the kids who are in school. And finding ways for them within that classroom to be able to communicate. I was talking to my fourth grade teachers, and I said, "Tell me some strategies that are really working in that environment." And they said, "Keeping the chat up um, for the kids who are at home, because the kids who are a hybrid are seeing the chat, and they're bringing ideas from the kids at home into their conversations, and being able to communicate back to the kids who are at home." And so, finding reason ways to get those kids to engage with other children, um, you know, is the way to hook them. <laughs> Because that's, that's that, you know, the piece that's missing from the virtual learning is that kid to kid connection.
5: Yeah, I love that. I mean, I've been hearing some from some principals that they their teachers disable the chat, but you lose so much. So that leads us to the next topic, which is discipline. So what about when you get some misbehavior? you know, maybe some language in the chat box or some other things. I know you'll, you know, you all have a long list. So, you know, Ari, do you want to tackle that first? We'll start, we'll start with you. How do you handle discipline virtually?
1: No, obviously it's hard. Um, You know, being very clear (laughs) from, you know, from day one of we wrote into our, our our, uh, code of conduct, our virtual expectations, which I'm sure everybody else has done um, as well. Uh, we are adding Yo Guardian, which I think a lot of schools are using so that the teachers have a way to uh, be able to monitor what children are doing, um, you know, them understanding and, and having, you know, conversations about, you know, yes, we do know that you are on TikTok um, and that's not appropriate, <laughs> you know, just, uh, you know, you know keeping, keeping that conversation open. We have done, um, you know, virtual uh, after school detention with, with kids who are not following the rules online of you can't follow the rules during class. Okay, you're gonna sit with the dean and, um, you know, on Zoom and you're going to do this extra assignment. So continuing to find ways to um, make them understand that the expectations are you are in school and you'll behave as if you are in school even though it's your computer.
5: Yeah, I hadn't heard that, the virtual uh, detention. I like that. (laughs)
0: Thank you, I Larry. Think, what a, I think we what talked about that in like the inner circle meeting once about, I guess you could just hold a kid off and just, you know, make them be face to face with you zoom for 45 minutes or something like that, or have them do some extra restorative justice work. So I love that. Yeah. Go ahead, Katie. I'm sorry.
5: No, that's okay. Ted, Josh, you guys want to chime in with, with discipline?
2: So we've only had one issue so far. We've really um, done, a, done a lot better job this year talking about, I mean, in the spring, you know, it's, it's just, um, just like horseplay where they're submitting assignments and they're saying hi with a thousand eyes and, you know, 500 apostrophes. So nothing bigger than just reminding them about what the expectations are there. And then this year we had a middle schooler submit an assignment, um, where the teacher had asked, what did you learn? And, um, he, he had some poor choice of words and what he learned. And so nothing more than, um, Calling home about it and letting mom know what's going on and um, and just being able to have that conversation with mom and partnership and um, I I really like the after school detention idea I would I don't want to sit there with them but I want to find more about but I was thinking as you were asking this this is this is one of those areas where we're kind of letting it go you know it's um, it's we can't. Until I heard of after school detention remotely, I couldn't think of anything to do other than to take away a computer, but then you just create more work for the teacher. Um, so you know, this is one of those things where it's, hey, something happens, we tell the parents, we say don't do it. And because we don't have any privileges here, we have to rely on them to to withhold whatever those privileges are and um just kind of let it go, you know. That's something that we can't control. Uh and we're, we're concerned about, it, but we can't control it. So we're going to let it go and just let the parents know and possibly follow up with them when they come back into school. Um, that's not the best, that's probably not the best answer, but, um, that's where we're at. You know, yeah, ten but ten, if they had
5: to sit with you for 45 minutes, they will <laughs> never misbehave again.
2: Probably not. <laughs> probably not. But- do that again either
0: (laughs) it always makes me think of joy you you know warner from community school of davidson you know she always said you know because there's a lot of autonomy at their school you you know normally and she's like i would rather than learn and make mistakes here now while they're young so this is an opportunity to you know educate you know children on you know proper internet you know behavior and i mean the access to to information is a million times what we had you know as kids so and now that we've handed them, you know, uh, devices and say, Oh, Hey, here's another eight hours per day uh, oh. for you to be on a screen. And, and so just, you know, learning. So I know there's a lot of schools using go guardian and we use that and, you know, bark here, like there's lots of tools that you could do, but education is going to be the key. Um,
2: oh yeah. So- we have, I mean, we have tremendous filters on our, on our devices and everything like that to where, um, it's, it's probably harder to do something with our devices. Um, than, than, the than a normal device. Um, and luckily we just haven't, we have gaggle. Um, we have, we have, um, we have the gaggle support and the gaggle, um, emails for those who need the social emotional health, um, and, and the, and the hotlines with it where it pops up in your email as, as, um, as someone, as a place to get some, get some help. But, um, we just have not had a, a tremendous amount of misbehavior, so I'm knocking on wood. We're very lucky with that so far.
4: Yeah, and, and I and I think John made a really good point uh, there in the chat box, uh, you know, in that, you know, sometimes we get caught up in thinking, you know, because so much is coming at us that we have to solve every single problem, and and we don't, you know, you know John, uh, you know John's been a, a real. God in for me in his role, not just to help the teachers, but also the fact that he's taught fifth grade since the inception of the school. He's got relationships with the vast majority of our middle school children and parents. And sometimes instead, you know, if I have a sixth grader, which we did this year, who was not exactly doing what we needed him to do, you know, I could have come with a hammer, but how good's the hammer at this point? Uh, you know, I let John talk to the dad. You know, because they had this wasn't his first rodeo with this particular kid, and and it got fixed. Uh, You know, because and and that's ultimately what you want. You know, you know it's not so much the, you know, did I get did I get even? I could care less about getting even. Did it get fixed? And 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 it did. And and so uh, you know that's I, I think relationships. You know, Kelly knocking on doors. You know, it it this this is our time to lean in as charter schools and show that not only can we educate kids, but we have the capacity to build personal relationships for the good of our kids and our community. And, and it, it may show up in some odd places. Um, you know, digital behavior is one of them.
5: Yeah. No, I love it. Thank you, Josh. Kelly, what would you like to say about discipline? Well,
3: um, we've had some issues um, you know, with that, but very much the philosophy that Josh is, you know, is expressing. But one of the things we decided that we would do too, and I'm sure there's some critiques on this, but we're we try to be very careful. But we actually provide tangible materials for our families every Thursday. Our teachers prepare them on Tuesdays so that they sit untouched for a little while. And we have some pickup times. Um and what that has created is our parents are consistently coming to school weekly. They wear their mask. We have a protocol there where we greet them, but we're having some personal interaction with them on the front porch of the school and the children are coming too. And so they, again, it's building some community and there's been, you know, the need for some misbehavior online. And I say, Oh, aren't you coming out on Thursday? I'm going to see you on the front porch and we can talk about that. Um, you know, and it's some good conferencing, you know, with those students and owning up to what their responsibility is. And we practice cares, so you know, we talk about you know what that means to us, and we typically haven't had another issue. So there's been some good um, opportunity in that, but that's been um, you know a positive of ensuring that we've got some of that personal connection with our families each week. We have some families that choose not to come, and so we've done some drop-offs and things like that, but still just that opportunity to have those discussions.
5: I love it. I like that, oh, you're gonna be here, so we might as well have the conversation. (laughs) That's uh, taking advantage of that opportunity.
0: Yeah, I mean, I keep, you know, just like, with our school here, you know, what does brick and mortar look like and how do we stay as close to that as possible? Because you want to stay predictable and create some, you know, sort of outlet. So that's the same, you know, strategy you would use if it's, if you didn't have, you know, buses, right? Like, oh, you're going to be in car line today. I'm going to wait for this mom in, you know, car line, you know, it's the same, the same pieces. And, you know, I know, you know, Josh and Ted, I think, Ted, you also have uh, school buses, I can't remember if you you know talked about. Are you still offering full uh, transportation to your students, Josh? Can you talk a little bit about you know real quick about how you're keeping the
4: buses safe? I'm, I'm yeah. not sure if we kept. Yeah, uh, yeah, we we definitely are. Uh, you know, still doing the buses, and you know what we have to do with those. And again, following the toolkit, um, you know the bus drivers. You know, they screen the kids whenever they get uh, to the bus stop. You know, and and that's something. Uh, again, I I think if you uh, you know, see how that's written up there. It does require some, some challenges. And so we actually had some TAs who were riding the buses to begin with, uh, you know, because we didn't know if we would have full ridership, partial ridership. Um, you know, we we'll probably need to restaff that again as we go into plan A, uh, but the ridership was such that the drivers were actually able to do the screenings as they were coming on there. Um, you know, we leave the bus windows open uh, throughout the course of the day. Uh, and now that the, you know, the, the the custodian, whenever she finishes up her uh, building spraying, she actually steps onto the buses and sprays those at the end of the day as well. Uh, So, so that's really, you know, the buses, you know, and and I made a a mention there of, uh, you know, where we got some stickers for us uh, to use, you know, every, our hallways are, you know, covered up with, uh, you know, six feet, you know, stickers and Falcons. Uh, We actually got them personalized, uh, stickermule.com really cheap. Uh, you know, a lot cheaper than I thought they would be, um, you know, as far as, as an affordable option uh, and great stickers uh, as well. So those are there. And then on the buses, uh, we put sit here stickers so that they knew uh, where we wanted them to sit there with that. So just the same same concepts that we put in place in the building, we, we put in place on the buses.
0: Yeah, I like that, right? Keep it simple. And that's what, you know, people know, and I think that, you know, makes it hard. So Awesome. Everybody get a chance to share that last uh, question, Katie?
5: Everybody did.
0: Yeah. So I'd love to know, like, you know, one of the questions and we'll just end with this. I mean, you know, like I said, most of these leaders are in our inner circle. So they're collaborating every week and they're asking it. So if you want to be part of the inner circle, you know, hopefully these you know leaders, obviously, well, they keep coming back every week. So I guess they get some value out of it. But to be able to specifically talk to someone who's in your position is such a, you know, great advantage. So, so I put some information in the chat. If you want to join the inner circle, you can go to our webpage at lbleaders.com and learn how to do that. So what's, what's the one thing that you would do differently, right? So we've got a lot of leaders on here who are going to, to move from plan C to plan B or, for you know, plan B to A or, you know, whatever we're doing. What's maybe one thing, I heard lots of great ideas. Like what's one thing, you know, Ari that you might have done differently. Or you know faster if you would have known the value that you were going to get out of it.
1: Um, you know, I asked for staff, uh, you know, feed, feedback before making my decision over the summer. Um, you know, and, and I made sure I had contact with every staff member, but it was via email. Um, and I think that if I were going to do it, was going to do it over, I would have invited each one of them in for that face-to-face mm. meeting because I think the things that they shared with me via email, which is, which is different than what they would have shared with me um, face-to-face. And I, I think that would have gone a long way to having had less stress and anxiety and understanding of everyone's individual circumstances. Um, I, I just, I, I think that, that that personal connection with staff is so much more important this year. Not that it's not always important, but it's even more important this year and uh, it's crazy busy as we are um, making sure that that's a huge priority.
0: I think if you're still on the call live, that was worth the 80 minutes right there if you haven't done that, because that is huge, right? I mean, you can get information out of surveys, but you can make a connection through a face-to-face, and that's what's going to really get you going as a leader. I love it. Great point. Josh, what's maybe one thing you would do differently?
4: Um in that same vein, I, I think just the staff communications and how we do that. Uh, I, uh, you know, Ted, is, Ted and I share and collaborate uh, pretty routinely, uh, you know, just geographically and everything. It, you know, Ted's an excellent resource. And um, you know, the, the way that we collaborate as a staff uh, is a little bit different. I, I, I take the sort of mantra of, you know, I, I don't want to meet just for the sake of having a meeting, I like to do things with some purpose there with that, Um, but at the same time, you do have to disseminate information, and and I think the amount of stress that it put on the staff to try and and conduct regular meetings and do things of that regard, uh, I've had to adapt some of my stripes, uh, you know, because I'm used to like trying to put, you know, large pieces of information out there, and let's all just sort of work through it. Uh, You know, I've had to change the way I do that you know just it's it's very short pieces of information it's very consumable information and and the staff has received that very well but i had to change my stripes and do that midstream and, and I, I certainly would have started that a lot sooner uh than uh than i did
0: awesome i love it josh great job yep being flexible as a leader is critical it's not about us right it's about them you got to communicate on their agenda is huge all right kelly riley what is one thing that you would have done faster
3: so we have, um, out of just 12 lead teachers, we have um, five <laughs> new ones this year. And so um, I really didn't um, craft my orientation for them to encompass as much as I should have. And um, they came to me, you know, here we are in a pandemic. One of them is brand new teacher. All of them, of course, new to Tiller. We have all these expectations and then added and um, really what was so important was kind of the history, because we were still trying to hold on to so many traditions that we possibly could to make this feel like a year at Tiller School. And so um, I think putting the time in with your brand new in ensuring that they understand, um, you know, a lot of what you do, um, not just the clerical stuff, not just, not just the history. I mean, I think we did a good job with our story, but, you know, while we do think some of the things that, you know, we do that's something I would go back and change undue stress when they didn't need it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're right. That's great. Hey, Ari, there was a quick follow-up. Can you, what's, what's one, you know, question you asked your staff when you had your one-on-ones that really made a difference?
1: Um, Well, that was what I was saying. I would have done differently. Oh, you would have done it differently. I would have had, I did, I did reach out to each of them individually via email and I reached out via email to those who didn't respond to me. Um, so I made sure I had, you know, had responses from every single one, but I just asked some general questions. What are your biggest concerns about returning to school? Yeah. Um, do you have personal issues that I should know about that's going to, you know, help make you more comfortable? Um, you know, what, you know, what, what are, what are things that, you know, the school must do to be successful? Questions like that, very yeah. open-ended. And I did get, you know, good feedback, but I don't know that I got 100% honest feedback. I think that a lot of them knew what
4: they thought I
0: wanted to hear. Yeah, that's good. Yep, that's a good piece. And that, and that investment in time, it goes a long way. So yeah, so that's what we would have done differently. Perfect. I would agree with that. That's something I need to do probably very quickly, or started three weeks ago. And who? uh, Ted. So Ted, you are last one. So Ted, what's one thing you would have done either differently or uh, Ted had to leave. Oh, he did.
5: Yeah, he had to drop
0: uh well he's got to work or something he's got a school to run so yeah well something listen like that hopefully everybody on this call got some incredible value and um we will do a couple things so we'll we have some examples of some of these staff surveys so we could we could share them out uh josh is going to share his uh, technology and and uh you know discipline policies and you know kelly and Ari, like anything else you think that would benefit uh, these uh, 50 leaders that had signed up uh, to be here today and spend this time with you. Uh, we will make sure that gets back out with the recording. Um, and uh, Katie, any last uh, thoughts or efforts? Because I, I, I want to open up uh, the call and let everybody say uh, goodbye, who's uh, still on here, with Ari, Josh, and Kelly. But any, what's your one takeaway?
5: My takeaway is um, that each of these leaders weren't afraid to do a few things. And one was be flexible in their thinking. And, you know, like the after, you know, doing detention, I would have never thought about that. And, uh, and then also uh, asking their staff and asking their families, because sometimes I think it can be scary to ask because now you have, you have their answers and you have to do something with it. But that's how you create a whole plan. So I really appreciate their willingness to share their, their ideas with us.
0: Yeah, I think that's huge. And then also what, you know, Josh had shared, like, you've got to be willing to change your leadership uh, style to meet to meet your people's needs. And under, you know, crisis, and, I mean, we're, you know, everything's new. So it's okay. And you don't have to know all the answers. But that's why this group comes uh, together and, you know, collaborates and, and works well. So, so let's unmute yourself. Go ahead and un- un- unmute yourself and, and, and say thank you to the group. And uh, we'll, we'll continue to do this. Uh, we're going to have a teacher leader one on Tuesday. So, so I, I shared the link. about
1: that a couple of days ago and said so we're going to have start we hear you,
0: <laughs> We're going to have a teacher leader session on a Tuesday. So if you want your teachers to be hearing from other uh, teacher leaders that are just crushing it in uh, COVID, I put the link and I'll send that back out um, and have them, have them be part of that call. So now let's hear from Leah and everybody says thank you. Thanks, uh, Ari and Josh and Kelly Riley. We greatly appreciate you and Ted Duncan and Katie and Rhonda Dillingham. Join the association if you're not a member, everybody. like something happens.